0: I want to announce up front today that we'll be having a skit after the message. The skit is of a mature nature. It is not at all inappropriate. However, if you have young children that may question some of the things that, uh, in the skit, please feel free after the message to remove them from the sanctuary if you feel you need to do so. I want to say before I start this morning, what a blessing this church has been. You realize that we have a body... It's been governed by the same elders for 20-plus, and some of them, 30 years. They've been faithful to us, to guide, direct, and teach us. Um, if you look around, you may find us to be unique in that way. We have this really solid group of guys that we appreciate very much for all they've done. pastor's been here, I think, 20 years. Um, Bob Baker, 20-plus years, and, and Mike, as uh, his elders, Lee Ryan's been here for 122 years. <laughs> But we are really grateful for the leadership that you guys um, and and the way you you watch over this flock. Now, Pastor, now that I said that, can I go ahead and do the message? That's what he told me to say, so I got that out of the way. I've got a question for you this morning. What did Cinderella say when Walmart told her her photos were not yet ready? I'm going to give you a little clue. Sola said the same thing 28 years ago. Okay, What did Cinderella say when Walmart told her her photos were not yet ready? She said this, Someday. My prince will come soon. <laughs> we are, uh, of course, very proud this morning of our graduates, 10 of them. It's really exciting for us. I know they look forward to going to college or to the workforce. Perhaps some of you will be going into the military. And I was thinking, what might be written in your yearbooks? I didn't have an opportunity to look, but I mean things like Um, most likely to succeed, great smile, uh, future mathematician, all that kind of good stuff. In my yearbook, I've shared with some of you before, it said this, forced into a state of thought and is uneasy until he can get out. (laughs) So if during the course of the message you see me trying to get away from my thought process, uh, that's why. Jesus said this in John 10.10, and Billy mentioned the scripture this morning, that I came not only to give you life, but to give you an abundant life, to give you a full and meaningful and rich life. But what did he mean by that? I want to look at that this morning in the context of Psalm 23, verse 1, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Because our God is our shepherd, He is powerful and wise, balanced, loving and caring. We're never going to want, that is, lack for proper management. It does not mean that we'll never lack for things. Remember, King David ran from cave to cave hiding on Saul, who was pursuing him. He didn't know what he was going to eat. He'd been hungry. He's been thirsty. So the psalm isn't just limited to temporal needs. As a matter of fact, it's really hard to imagine that that's what he meant when he said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Or even mainly to this present life. The idea manifestly is that God would provide all that was needful for us always. Luke 12, 15 says this, Then he said to them, Watch out, be on guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. And I add this, Heaven doesn't know you by what you have. C.S. Lewis, many of you know him as a prolific writer. Um, And I think he sums things up well. I'd like you to listen carefully to his words. Indeed, if we consider the unblushing promises of reward and the staggering nature of the rewards promised in the Gospels, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink, sex, and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum, because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. Close quotes. Today I want you to think about if you're hoping that your circumstances will change your attitude. What you have in Jesus is greater than what you don't have in this life. But, but for a minute with me, just fill in the blank. If you had to do this, I'll be happy when? I'll have peace when? I'll be content when? When I'm healed? When I can just forget that past pain that so much pricks my heart? When I'm rich? When I'm single? When I'm married? That's not gonna do it. Is it? I mean, wait a minute. I've been married for 36 years. I love my beautiful wife and she's the greatest on earth. And don't, I want you to remember this. Don't forget a few weeks ago what Pastor said when he got himself in trouble saying, if the, you know, talk about women adoring himself, if the barn knees paint, paint it. So remember that, not what I just said. <laughs> when I'm famous, I'll be happy. What if your dreams never come true? Could you be content? As you know, I'm bringing this message today because God has been dealing with me personally in this area. My son has struggled with many different things. Many of you have prayed for him, as you know. And I've caught myself going to the Lord saying, God, if you could just heal him. If you could just... It's not a bad want. I mean, it's a good thing to want, but God says, I'm your peace. I've broken down every wall. Look to me for your peace. Don't look to anything else. Your wife, your, your husband, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your school. That's not where you're going to find peace. And you're certainly not going to find it in the material possessions of this world. You're going to find temporary joy, happiness with a new car, right? Smells good for a while, and then it wears off. Same old car. It's not where your peace is going to be found. What about, uh, I talked about fame, and you're probably thinking, well, I never want to be famous. Well, has anybody ever played an air guitar before? You know, wah, 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 wah. My air guitar is a wah, wah pedal. If you haven't done that, if you ever... Tell me the truth. If you ever grabbed a brush off your bedroom stand and sang into the mirror to thousands of adoring fans. (laughs) They're screaming your name. More, more, more. I know you've done it. Don't tell me you haven't. (laughs) And if you haven't done that, you've at least driven down the road in your car, sang along with a song, and imagine that was you singing the song, and everybody's cheering for you, right? There's no peace. And I saw a story recently about a, a... A man that won the lottery, $3 million. A year later, two years later, he was dead. And his friends were saying, lamenting, boy, I wish he never won, because he would still be here today if it wasn't for for all that money that he had. I forgot to say that when you're singing into the brush, that's risky business. (laughs) Max Bicato says it this way. If your happiness comes from anything you deposit, drink, drive, or digest, you could be in the prison of want. There will be no peace in that. We're all very familiar with this scripture from Philippians uh, 4, 11 and 12. Not that I speak in regards to me, for I have learned in whatever state I'm in to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned to be both full and to be hungry, to both abound and to suffer need. The Apostle Paul said, I know what it's like to be rich, I know what it's like to be poor. Listen, before he became a Christian... He would have been a Jewish leader. He served under Gamaliel. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. You've got to imagine he had beautiful robes, clothing, anything that he wanted, right? And then he got saved and abundant life kicked Then He started getting stoned and thrown in jail. But but he had peace, didn't he? That's when his true peace really came, in reality. He had no peace before that with all the riches of the world. But when he really came to know the Lord, even though he suffered a lot, that's when he said, I've really found my peace. There was a... uh, I want to go to Ecclesiastes 5.15 just quickly. The pastor mentioned this a few months ago, but as he came from his mother's womb, naked shall he return to go as he came. And he shall take nothing from his labor which he can carry in his hand. Remember, pastor mentioned John D. Rockefeller, richest man in the world. And he died, and they asked his accountant, how much did he leave? And what did he say? All of it. You're taking nothing with you. But when I think about peace, I'm thinking about a short-term missionary that went to the island of Topango to a leper colony. He was there for two weeks. And he said on the last night he had everybody kind of gathered around to, to worship. And he said, I, I said, is there any particular song anyone would like to sing? And he said, I heard a voice behind me. And I turned around to see the most disfigured woman I'd ever seen in my life. No nose, no lips, no ears. And she raised her fingerless hand to say, can we please sing, count your many blessings? That's Jesus. That's peace that can only be purchased by the blood of the Lamb. That's the peace we should hope for. It's difficult to find in a country like ours where we have everything readily available to us whenever we want it. Now, could you imagine getting to a place where this lady was that close to the Lord, where she counted her blessings? Love what God loves and hate what God hates, and don't be duped. Is anybody here... Well, this is a stupid question. I've seen the Wizard of Oz? Everybody seen the Wizard of Oz, right? Well, think about it. This is a good analogy because you got Dorothy and Toto... You got the tin guy, the lion, and the scarecrow. And they're convinced that their answer will be found in the Wizard of Oz. So collectively, they get together and they go trucking on down the Yellow Brook Road. And why? Because, 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 because of the wonderful things a wizard does, right? And what happens when they get there? They're hovered in fear. And Dorothy's even <clears throat> humbly addressing the wizard and the great wizard. And there's resounding thunder and there's smoke and there's fire. And they're fearful of the wizard. Until what? Until little dog Toto goes across, grabs a curtain, pulls it open, and there's a little chubby dude with a big Bunsen burner and a piece of tin. <laughs> the Wizard of Oz is a phony. He was a phony, wasn't he? The new car is a phony. The house, of the lake is a phony. If that's where you're looking for your peace, it's not that your wants are always bad. It's not bad. Listen, you're not more spiritual if you drive a brand new Mercedes-Benz or you're driving a 1992 minivan. I'm not trying to make that that connection, but I'm telling you what, you won't find peace in anything other than the Lord. Something else to be careful about don't seek the adoration of men. When people say bad things about Jesus Christ, they're always 100% of the time wrong. Always wrong. But when they say something bad about you or me, they're not always wrong, are they? I mean, we are flawed. Human beings that fail. The problem we have when you start looking to men for your direction, remember this, Paul commended the Bereans to be of noble character because why? Because they searched the scriptures daily to see if what he, the apostle Paul, said was true. That's a good thing to do. And you don't have to worry about it in this church with our great pastor. But when you get out in the world and you start listening to different ones, I'm convinced of this. If you took some of the most famous evangelical pastors, preachers that we have today, if you line them up against biblical, historical fact, they'd be found as heretics. We can talk about that in a private setting if you want to sometime. We'll give you more things. I mean, different things that you've seen over the years that have come to pass. Uh, the Bible says if two or three got in my name, you can ask for anything you want to. There was a time in the season when people were doing things like They thought, well, I can go lay my hands on a new Cadillac and claim that in the name of Jesus. It, it's, it's crazy. If God wants you to have a Cadillac, you'll have one. But, I mean, name it and claim it, blab it and grab it, they used to say. Don't get due by that kind of stuff. You wanna lay your hands on something and claim it? I'll tell you what you gotta do. You gotta lay your hands on Philippians chapter two, verse three, where it says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in everything, consider others' needs above your own. See the thing is, you're not the most important person here today. Jesus is the most important, and then it's still not you, it's the person next to you, or the people around you. It's others. If you want to grab hold of something and lay your hands on something, lay it on Micah 6.8 when he says this to you. He has shown you, O oh man, what is good and what I, the Lord, require of you. But to do justly, to love mercy, and walk humbly with me. These are the important things in Christianity. These are the things that will make you mature in the Lord, not the peripheral material possessions that you think can give you happiness. Hey, a lot of things can bring you temporal Excitement and happiness, right? The Bible even says sin can do that. There's pleasure in sin for a season and then the judgment. It will come. It'll be a bad day when it does. Think about how the Lord... Think about how the Lord looks at you. First Samuel sixteen seven. But the Lord said to Samuel, Did not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance... But God God looks at your heart. He looks at your heart. So if you're looking at Pastor Prince, I'm going to pick on him because he picks on me sometimes. But he's not saying, God looking at John and going, I love how he's combed his hair today. What a lovely tie. I like his shoes. Obviously he's not doing it. He's not thinking about your things. He's looking at him. He's seeing this. He's seeing compassion, kindness, devotion, tenderness, a quick mind, and maybe some other stuff that we can't talk about. But he is looking at his heart, not looking at what you have. Psalm 34:10 The Lord, they that seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Jeremiah 31:14 My people shall be satisfied with my goodness, says the Lord. And sometime read through Psalm 107, but it says this, "Oh give thanks unto the Lord because he fills the hungry soul." That is the image of full satisfaction. The God that created 100 billion galaxies has the ability to fill the hole in your heart. I I heard the other day, just recently, that um, if you took a 747 jet to Neptune at 600 miles an hour, it would take you 16 million years to get there. Can you imagine how big... We have no concept of the the universe. I saw one time on a Discovery Channel, someone showed how big the Earth is until... You backed up and looked at it after the moon and you kept going back farther and farther. We got smaller and smaller until we're just a a little blimp. And God created all of it and things we haven't seen and can't even begin to imagine. But yet, that same God would tell you that, you know what? I mean, whether you're a Christian or not, He knit you together in your mother's womb, Psalm 139 says. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And He cares deeply for everything about every one of you. But yet he created a universe so vast, galaxies, that we can't even wrap our brain around or have any comprehension of how vast it really is until the day we go to be with the Lord. I want to... Uh, I do want to share the gospel with you this morning. I know we have visitors. And I want to spend some time doing that. I want to say that anybody here that's a Christian would love the opportunity to share Christ with any of you who may not know him. It's a tremendous honor and a privilege. So never feel like you'd be putting somebody out to ask a question or whatever. We just, It's probably one of the most joyful things that a Christian could actually do is, is share the Lord with somebody. But God said that without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. Remember last week, I think Brendan was talking about, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I think he said the 168,000 gallons of blood pumped through a body every day. Does that sound right to you guys? It was a big number. Blood is life. Obviously, without blood, you can't live, right? So it's important. And God said, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. So in the Old Testament, he told the people of Israel, give me a lamb that's perfect. No spot, no blemish. And sacrifice that lamb to me. And at the time, that I will cover your sins for a season. I say for a season because the ultimate sacrifice was Jesus Christ. But in the Old Testament, they would be covered, and then they would probably sin again, right? And they would have to do it again at some point. But everything in the Old Testament pointed to the New Testament. Everything pointed to Jesus Christ. That was the whole logic behind everything. Everything points to Christ. So then one day, John the Baptist was baptizing in the Jordan, and he looked and saw Jesus approaching. And you all know well what he said. Behold The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He knew that Jesus was our Savior. The Bible teaches us that if we confess with our mouth, believe in our heart, that Jesus is Lord, we shall be saved. If we believe that he was virgin born, that he died, that he rose again, you can ask him into your heart today, and you can be saved, if you like that terminology. Born again, if you like that. The point of the matter is this. When you truly confess your sins and repent or turn away from them and you ask Christ into your life, we believe the Holy Spirit actually comes and resides in you at that point and your life begins to change and you start to get closer and closer as you pray and you seek His face. And that offers to anybody today. Don't be caught up and think, well, you know what? When I quit smoking, then I'm going to do it. When I stop drinking, I'm going to do it. When I get my act together, then I'll come to know the Lord. Uh, That would be a lie from the pits of hell. Jesus is the one that will do the cleaning. He's the one that will wash you out of snow. Lee, is Lee still here? Lee years ago said this to me. I mean, 20, 30 years ago. He said, you know, when God looks at us, He looks at us through the blood of Jesus, and He sees us as righteous and holy. So we are righteous and holy because of the blood of the Lamb. I 'm thinking this week, too, about... Um, Romans 8 and it says this there's therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus so even though you know I may be a flawed individual although I'm sure Bob Baker would dispute that um, no he wouldn't I don't have I don't have any condemnation on me I don't have to feel condemned I feel conviction from time to time but I'm not condemned because I'm trusting that the Lord Jesus has washed me in his blood and has saved me but if you haven't done that you will be under condemnation you will feel condemnation and you will not spend eternity in heaven with the Lord. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free, and Donna Ryan free, and Pastor free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, it and it was weakened, by Benny Palmer and Mr. McKnight's and Brent Reynolds' sinful nature, God did. Now catch that part, God did. Uh, Apostle Paul didn't do it. The Virgin Mary didn't do it. God did. By sending His own Son in the likeness of a human. He looks like you and me. Pretty much. Longer hair, Nazarene, you know. But, to actually be a sacrifice once and for all. And it's never, ever going to happen again. It happened once in eternity. There'll never be another sacrifice. There'll never be another opportunity. Please understand that if you're here today, maybe for the first time, that God has brought you here for a reason. It may not be just a graduate is here, whatever reason. Think about this. God says to you today, today is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow, not the day after today. Don't leave this place without talking to someone, myself, on the elders. There's many people here that know the Lord and would love the opportunity to share with you. Please think about these things. And to young people, I want to say this to you. Many years ago, when I first got saved back in the 80s, early 80s, there was a Christian singer named Morgan Cryer. I don't know if anyone ever heard of Morgan Cryer. Maybe some of the older people. Maybe just me. And um, <laughs> Maybe I'm just making this up then. I guess it doesn't matter what I say because you don't know him. But he wrote a song that stuck in my brain. And I want to address the young people. And I just give you the words to this song. He said simply this, I can't sell you no insurance. I can't give no guarantee that you'll be rich and famous. By the time you're 33. But I can promise one thing that Jesus promised me. You'll have all the peace of mind your heart could ever need. So thanks to Jesus, you can have rest for your soul. Thanks to Jesus, your life can be made whole. Thanks to Jesus, you won't crumble when you cry. And thanks to Jesus, it's not over when you die. We're going to uh, have a skit here in a... a